Hi friends, welcome to project manager interview questions session. Throughout this session, we would try to understand what kind of questions are important for us from the perspective of role of a project manager and as well as uh, maybe from the perspective of understanding what a project manager should have when he's uh, understanding all the concepts. My name is Yogesh. I am working as a trainer with uh, Edureka. Edureka offers PMP programs on behalf of PMI. Edureka also happens to be the PMI REP for delivering these programs. So I have been doing this program for Edureka for a very long time and I have had various certifications including PMP certification from PMI, ACP again from PMI and various other certification from different certification bodies on the project management. So my name is Yogesh and I'm going to be taking you through on project management questions. So to start with the first question first, who's the project manager? A manager means a person who is able to get the job done. And when I add a project word along with this, this becomes a project manager. That means a person who's able to manage various items in the project and who's the one we call that as a project manager. He's the one who carries an authority to lead the project, authority to lead resources and becoming a project manager. He gets the authority to make use of the organization resources and we call that as the power what he carries as the project manager. So project managers, they are responsible for driving a project which goes through various phases starting from maybe in the beginning, which is the initiating stage then the planning stage, executing stage, monitoring and control stage and closing stage. So these are various phases what we have in our project. Irrespective of industry what we are in, the phases from the PMI perspective, they are common. If I'm actually representing a software industry, then my phases could be requirements gathering, analyzing the requirement, designing the requirement, coding the requirement, doing a testing and deploying. And if I try to look at on all these phases, finally, they can be aligned with all the five phases of PMI, which is initiating, planning, executing, monitoring and controlling and closing. Now, project managers, they also have a responsibility onto them for the full project scope, managing the team, doing the risk estimation, and they will also ensure they would figure out on all the resources what we need that in the project. So these are, I would say, the broader responsibilities of a project manager. Okay. Now, if I understand what's the salary trend of a project manager who is also having a, maybe a certification from PMI such as a PMP certification. So pay scale conducted a survey and the results came in like this, which were giving us an idea of salaries of a project manager starting from maybe about 47K USD and varying till about 109k dollars. And the salary, if you look at, there are two categories we have prepared. First category talks about the salary from the US perspective, and the second talks about salaries in India. So if I compare these similar salaries in India, we got a result, and this talks about 428k rupees. That is how is the starting salary for project managers. And this goes on till about 2 million. So that's the idea kind of the pay packages which a certified and experienced project manager can get in uh, different countries. 
Yes, that's a very respected certification from PMI. And having that certification, it's a kind of a feeling of pride that you have a knowledge of concepts and more than knowledge, you have a certification which proves that you have cleared an exam to justify the knowledge what you have. On the entry level, there are about 6,008 jobs and if we go back on the next level, there are going to be jobs to the count of 20,615. So they are based on a different salary brackets. And as you notice, the starting bracket, what we are referring here is basically from the $65,000 and we are going till $1,10,000. So that's a rough idea for us. And why are we talking about this is basically to give you a confidence that the knowledge what you earn and the certifications what you are able to clear after attending our project management professional exams this will give you a kind of very good uh, placements in good organizations and these jobs of project manager will continue to be in demand if i may ask you why is that demand going to be continuing the reason is every organization has a need of projects they are also into the operations but at the same time within operations they would like to achieve certain results in a given point in time so projects are required when an organization wants to produce some unique product service or result and we consider the project as a temporary endeavor that means we have a limited time in hand there is a start time and end date so based on the time what we commit we would like to produce those results and since that's happening in a timely manner that is where there could be a need of an organization to consistently look for projects let me give you a few examples if i assume that you are working for a automobile company and your organization is actually in the business of manufacturing cars or trucks and maybe two wheelers so you may have some products which are already running and at the same time there could be a need for your organization to continuously do innovation and find out better products to survive and offer the good features going forward similarly if i'm actually working for for example a hotel and hotel has many rooms here let me assume that the occupancy rate for the hotel as of now is not very good so operations team is realizing that more than 50 percent of their room are actually not getting utilized so the occupancy rate is just about 50 percent 50 percent occupied and 50 percent not occupied so we can take a project we can pull in few people from the system and we can maybe have a project manager also and these guys can work towards finding out the root causes working out on solutions which can help this organization improving the occupancy rate in that case let us assume they are at a 50 percent now and we give them a target of about three months or a six months so it could be a three months or a six months project in accordingly and we will like to get those results by that time moving next let us understand what are the top questions from the project managers interview perspective what is that you understand by project management we talked about project as a discipline which helps us to deliver something in a given point in time so when we talk about of project management this means a project management is the discipline which helps us in implementing various processes various methods knowledge skills and experience for achieving the objectives of unique project let me also try to give you a few more words and those words are maybe to further understand the project management so project management is all about using the knowledge what you have following 49 processes which are part of our pm bog guide sixth edition which carries 10 knowledge areas which also carries five process groups 
So following the project management standards as laid by PMI in PMBOK Guide 6th edition, which contains 49 processes, 10 knowledge areas and a 5 process group. And at the same time, ensuring that we carry out a good balance between the constraints of the project. So there are three main constraints in a project. First is scope, second is time and third is cost. And if I may draw a triangle representing these three, we call that as the triple constraint triangle, scope, time and cost. Now, as a project manager, or maybe I would say a characteristics of a good project management is to ensure there is a good balance maintained between scope, time and cost. See, I would not say that the constraints cannot come in. Constraints will come in, but a good project management can understand these constraints and maintain a balance. Now, these three are called as my triple constraints. However, there are three more constraints, which is quality, which is risk and which is resources. So these six are the major areas wherein there is a chance of having an imbalance. A good project management is about making sure that we understand these areas, we understand these concerns and we address the problems coming out from this in an amicable way. That's what is a good project management all about. So to just make project management an easy way to remember, we have actually created a few words. We call that as a 6P. First word says proper planning prevents poor project performance. That means if I'm going to be planning it nicely, if I consider on various knowledge areas, various processes, I try to pick up constraints and try to note down the risks. If I go by proper plan, then this will ensure that my project has a good performance at all point in time. All put together, this is what we call that as a good project management. Got it? Hope you have got a clear idea on project management. Okay. Next question we have is a question which talks about of what's the difference between project, program and portfolio. These are the terms we are using that on a day in day out. But when it comes to figure out the difference, lot many of times we get a jumbled up response. So it's better we have a absolutely clear picture of all these three words. Let me start with the, the first thing first, which is project. So what's a project? Project is a temporary endeavor which is undertaken to produce unique product, service or result or a solution. And when we talk about of temporary endeavor, as we said, that means there is a definite start time and there is a definite end of the project. Then comes a program. A program basically is a group of interrelated projects. Interrelated project could also means that there is a dependency what we have between them. So when the projects have a dependency between them and they are able to produce some collective benefit. So for a program, there are three things what we are referring. First, that it should be interrelated projects. Second, we are talking about of they have a dependency among each other. And third, we are talking about of collective benefits. The collective benefit is kind of a benefits which not available if the projects were to be executed separately. So that benefit can only be derived in when all the projects are combined together. So that's the definition of a program. So to sum up, it is the collection of interrelated projects which are dependent, which are related and which are producing some collective benefit which cannot be produced otherwise. Third, we have a portfolio. Now, portfolio can be a collection of projects, 
or sub projects or programs so it could be a combination from project sub project or program and that is what we would call that as a portfolio in few organizations i have seen they also include operations in the portfolio however that's optional for people to consider so in portfolio we do not talk about of the mandatory things such as interrelated dependent and collective benefit these three items which are mandatory for a program are optional in the portfolio so the way i'm going to be putting up the definition of portfolio is like this a portfolio is a collection of projects sub projects or program which may or may not be related which may or may not be dependent which may or may not be able to produce collective benefit so that's the definition of a portfolio for us okay let me talk about of one small example for project now when we produce a prototype of a car that's a project for us why it is project because it's a unique output what you are producing it's a unique product prototype is not getting produced every day basis it's like one unique product which you are trying to showcase okay the prototype of the car what we have produced first time when you produced is a project but when you are manufacturing the same car every day in your manufacturing facility this is called as an operations so that's a difference between two let me give an example from a different industry now let us talk about of a hospital building construction so construction of an hospital building is a project because it would have a definite time definite beginning and definite end now once the infrastructure is ready then running this hospital on a day to day basis that's my operations similarly let us talk about of a construction of a hotel building so construction of a hotel building is a project because there is a start date there is an end date and when we are on a daily basis managing guests check in check out or maybe people walking in for restaurant or maybe people walking in for using banquets all that is actually part of operations so hope you have a very good picture in your mind to differentiate between the project and the operations okay so with the help of the question number 2 we understood on difference between project program portfolio and we also included operations to get a good picture on all four question 3 it says elaborate the project management life cycle approach so what's the project life cycle we said project life cycle basically talks about of five items what are those five items initiating planning executing monitoring and controlling and closing or we can call that as a closer so actually there are five stages so what we have done is three stages we have written separately which is initiating planning and closer and executing and monitoring and control we have clubbed it together so what happens is the monitoring and control is one phase which kind of continues for the longest kind of a time you start doing a monitoring control from the beginning and this continues till the project is not going to be coming to an end that's the project life cycle and we also related this life cycle with a software industry saying starting from requirements gathering to designing coding testing deployment these stages what we have in a software project they are also falling under the initiating planning executing monitoring and controlling and closing question number 4 says what are the most important skills that a project manager should possess so there are many skills what a project manager should have starting from communication and maybe to let you know communication is one such item wherein the project manager spends 90% of his time 90% of his time goes in the communication project manager also demonstrates leadership qualities now leadership qualities 
every project manager should have and he should also be good in having different leadership traits depending on different situations that means you should be able to mold yourself to the different situations and that's how you should be talking about on the leadership now a job of a manager is also to manage the job and the team so we call that as a another important job what a project manager has that's the team management end of the day who delivers the work i would say team delivers the work who helps in doing the planning along with the project manager it is the team which is helping so if we are able to manage the team guide the team motivate the team appreciate the team that's all is we are referring to that as the team management then comes up negotiation power a project manager should always be able to negotiate in the situations and negotiation would means maybe influencing and putting your point forward with logics there are times project manager will have to negotiate with the other functional manager then a project manager should also be very much organized so it's like you have to also kind of a demonstrate that not that you are doing a good plan in the project but you are practicing all these things in a day to day work and demonstrating this to the team then comes up the risk management since project is bound to get many constraints you should be able to identify what could be the possible risk and at the same time you should also be able to plan for the right response pertaining to those situations those risks so these are few of those skills which are expected to be there with the project manager okay what's the next question it says how will you start your job as a new project manager so to start with you should be able to listen observe and learn so when i'm writing observe and learn i'm also talking about of a word called as inspect and adapt you should be able to understand your client needs and wants when i'm saying needs and wants i'm referring to need requirements and expectations if i'm able to understand those requirements that means i can capture the requirements very clearly and if the requirements are captured nicely of course i will ensure that there is a good plan which i'm preparing to deliver those need requirement and expectation now the problem happens when you are not able to understand the requirements in the beginning clearly and at the same time you are not communicating well from the perspective of communication between the customers and the project manager if there is a gap here this gap will travel in your planning and finally there are going to be a lot of change request in the project so it's better to get the very clear idea on needs requirements and expectations of the customer third thing know your team and their personalities everybody is good in some area if i understand my team better if i understand their strengths if i understand their weakness i can actually plan it much better to ensure they deliver their best and complement each other for the project requirement fourth as we said we are open to inspect and adapt so we should also take an opportunity to learn some new skills as and when it is required then comes up helping out around the workplace it's like you should always look at how we can help the other people and uh, the people in my project as such and the sixth what we have is very clearly talking about of how can you master the tools what the company possesses so there are various tools your organization has it could be tools such as maybe a project management software or various tools which are required for ensuring there is a good visibility of the data points and uh, the performance areas so all this you should have a good idea so that maybe when there is a requirement for us to address these things or put back those things back to some other people or maybe explain it to them or use it to the right context we should be able to do it from that perspective so these are the bare minimum things we expect a new manager should be open to grab and pick up okay
we'll move next now question 6 now which says how will you prioritize tasks in your project as a project manager you have many things to be taken care of so how will you prioritize first thing first first of all you must understand that you can write down a list of all the tasks and the responsibilities second it is always better to make a kind of a column like this which talks about of urgent and important so make that as a urgent and important and try to place this task into four quadrant first quadrant could be just for the sake of understanding the first quadrant can talk about on very urgent very important so one side i'll write down urgent second side i'll write down important so likewise put all your tasks into one of those four columns at least then you will be able to get to know which task you should be focusing is first needless to say the task which are urgent and important which is this quadrant what we are discussing this is the quadrant which would actually attain the immediate priority that means these are going to be my first priority tasks in this quadrant the item wherein i have least urgent and least important this quadrant is going to be my task which are going to be my last in the priority so that's a rough idea which can be used for a day to day management of various things what i have third thing what it comes here is talking about of assess the value of each task this is from the perspective of finding out what task is more valuable sometimes it is good to deliver the valuable task in the beginning itself fourth we can order the tasks by the estimated efforts few times what we have seen it practically working very much fine is that the tasks which are quite risky or maybe having a technical concerns it's better to take those tasks in the beginning itself it's like i'm trying to deliver the complex task in the beginning and then trying to go over for the remaining tasks so we can always order the task by the efforts which are required okay the fifth says stay flexible and ready to accept now when we are doing a prioritization we should not be making our schedule so heavily packed up that there is no scope for any change or any flexibility so there has to be some space to accept new things because what's happening is market is pretty dynamic there are a lot of requirements which will come up suddenly and if i do not have a space to accommodate some of those then i'll be left behind so it's better to have a little flexibility so that i can negotiate on those requirements and maybe put the very important things now and the task which is a little less important and urgent now can be shifted to maybe a little later stage and sixth is the most important which says please learn or know when to say no saying yes to a new requirement is very easy but this will add up increasing the tasks what you have in a queue so it's better at some point in time if you feel like that there cannot be other loads which can be added up it is good also to say no in the beginning see saying yes and not delivering would also create a bad picture so it's better to say no in the beginning so that the other person understand that maybe you are packed up with few things as of now and maybe as and when there is an opportunity comes up for some space you might pick up but for the moment i can't take this activity so that's the question number 6 for us let us go forward and talk about the next question now question 7 question 7 is please understand what kind of leadership style you have sometime back i said there should be a good flexibility in terms of adopting different leadership styles so we are talking about a few leadership style here so style should be picked up depending on what situations we have so let us talk about of this style which we are referring to that as supporter coaching delegate tell so there are many 
styles what we can adopt a supportive style for example will be very good when you wanted to have high dependency on the team and you want to make them to take a decision on supporting means you will support them in taking a relationship you will support them in getting the job done but you would not try to impose uh, maybe your authority into it so supportive kind of a role is supposed to be very good wherein team feels like as though you are going along with them and you are giving them a kind of a little independence also in taking up the decisions okay the second category we got call about that as the coaching category in coaching we say it is we talk but i decide that means i will educate you on how job has to be done but at the same time i am going to be taking a decision on how things need to be done so this is basically specially done for the task which i call that as a high task and high relationship when the stars were low we had actually preferred asking them to take up the decision okay then comes up the third category wherein we talk about of a delegate kind of a style so when you understand it is low on relationship and low on task it is a better thing to allow team to take independent decisions 100% delegate in that situation asking them you decide you are the owner you decide and then comes a task wherein there is a low on relationship which is high on task such kind of a things we would prefer to tell them on how should i do so i'll say hey i tell you what needs to be done so these are different leadership styles we can pick up any of those styles which is maybe a good from the respective situational perspective end of the day we would like to ensure that the team stands motivated team stats teams team should feel like they are involved and at the same time job also has to happen with good progress okay next question we have is what's your ideal project when you are answering this question on what's the ideal project there are few questions what should go into your mind and those questions are what kind of a work you enjoy the most how much creativity you would like to show are you okay to work under deadlines or maybe you are able to work under deadlines much better how comfortable you are when you are trying new things on a project are you okay to receive full credit for your work yourself or you are okay to share credit with others are you getting the credit from the people already or you feel like there is a challenge and you are not given adequate credit of the work what you are doing last not the least is like are you okay with working as a part of a team or you would like to work as uh, maybe a self support kind of a role where you want to work as uh, one person maybe you are not good to go along with uh, many people so figure out these are many things which will give us an idea on very clearly relating to what is the ideal project for us next question which talks about of what are the various processes and process groups in the project management framework so when we talk about of various processes and process groups so in total there are 49 processes and there are five process groups let us start with getting to know the definition of a process a process is a defined way of doing tasks involved in a project it defines the actions to be taken along with their sequence in other words a process can also be taking certain inputs processing them with certain tools and techniques and producing an output that's also a process let us consider preparation of tea or preparation of coffee that's also a process you have few inputs which are few ingredients and you are taking a decision basically to ensure that you are following those processes and you are able to produce some output so that's also a process so what are process groups there are five process group starting from initiating which is the beginning phase we have then planning then executing 
then monitoring and control and closing. So there are five phases we have. The first phase when we start is the initiating and the last phase when we exit is closing process. So the process is like developing a charter, identifying the stakeholders, all that is part of initiating. Whereas planning for scope, schedule, cost, quality, resources, communication, risk, procurement, stakeholder. Planning for each of those items is basically part of my planning processes. In execution, we execute what has been planned and monitoring and control as the name says, we do a consistent monitoring and close to ensure whatever got planned, we should check our current performance levels from the planning and ensure there are actions taken to meet the performance objective and the plan which has been already signed and approved. What kind of actions? These actions could be preventive actions. These actions could be corrective actions and these actions could be repair actions to ensure needful is done so that I meet my plans and especially pertaining to plans such as cost plan, cost baseline, scope baseline, schedule baseline. Okay, so that talks about of the various processes and process group. Every knowledge area has its processes. So there are 10 knowledge areas. So develop project charter is a process. Estimate cost is a process. Creation of a work breakdown structure is a process. Collecting requirement is a process. Planning risk response is a process. Identification of risks is a process. So these are various processes which we have. They are aligned with five process group and they are also aligned with 10 knowledge areas. Okay. So let us understand the knowledge areas. Now, as we said, there are 10 knowledge areas starting from project integration management, project scope management, project schedule management, project cost management, project quality management, project resource management, project communication management, project risk management, project procurement management and project stakeholder management. So the all processes what we have, they are primarily part of each of the knowledge area. Let me give you a few example. A process called develop project charter is part of my integration management. A process called close project or close phase is also part of integration management. A process called create work breakdown structure collect requirement is part of project scope management. When I wanted to estimate the duration that's part of my schedule management. When I wanted to find out my cost baseline estimate cost that's part of cost management. When I wanted to control quality when I wanted to manage quality that's part of quality management. In resource management we have processes such as acquire resources manage team develop team. In communication, we have process such as plan communication management, manage communication, monitor communication. In risk, we have processes such as identify risk, plan risk management, perform qualitative risk analysis, which means prioritization of risk, perform quantitative risk analysis. This means quantification, plan risk response, which is basically planning. If the risk happens, what response will I take? And then process called implement risk response. That means when will I implement the risk response when the risk happens and then also doing controlling of risk. Similarly, you have processes such as plan procurement management, conduct procurement, which focuses on selecting a seller and signing of the agreement. And in the stakeholder management knowledge area, we have processes such as planning for stakeholder engagement, managing their engagement, monitoring their engagement. So that's how these processes are lined up with the knowledge area and these processes are also aligned with reference to five process groups we have. So that's the alignment of the knowledge area and the process group and the processes. Okay, got a good picture. Okay, we'll move next. Next question what I have is how would you handle a difficult stakeholder involved in your project? 
See, in project, you may get many stakeholders, some with high authority, high power, low interest. Some will be having high interest and low power. Let us understand how do we handle it. So first of all, please accept the authority, whatever they wanted to impose. Let us not bring in any debate or a fight. Second, please remove the emotion quotient from your mind. Look at all the items what are being asked or whatever requirements is coming into you. It is coming into you because you have a role of a project manager. So remove any negative emotion. Third is understand what's the issue. Fourth is ask for advice if required. And pay, patient listening is something which is very important. Listening carefully is very important. Fifth, we have to be tactful. We have to be honest with our decisions. Whenever there is a chance, please praise the stakeholders. Everybody loves the appreciation. So it's better to appreciate when there is a time and you know something good has happened. It is good to appreciate. And we should always try to look at establishing the connection, the relationship. And when it comes to the communication, we should be open to customize our communication to suit to the requirement. It should not be a same communication going to all because depending on different levels of stakeholder, our way of putting the message forward has to be different. So we should be able to customize the communication based on the needs. Have you heard of a word called RAID, R-A-I-D in project management? RAID in project management is just kind of a idea for keeping four words in your mind, which is R stands for risk, A stands for assumptions, I stand for issue, and D stands for dependencies. Now, let me differentiate between two words in this, which are generally confusing. The word risk is about a probability of an event to happen in future. So it's like an item which is uncertain now and you are saying there is a probability that this event may happen in future. So risk is all about probability and impact. The uncertain condition what we are discussing that can arise in the future. This is what we call that as a risk. Whereas when we use a word called issue, issue means something which has already happened in past. So you can only make corrective actions to come out from the issue and maybe resolve whatever problems the issue has created. Whereas when we talk about of a risk, we refer to the uncertainty of certain event to happen in future and we can plan for the risk response in advance itself. That means in the beginning itself. If I predict that there is a possibility that the electricity can go and maybe we might have to use a generator. So the risk is electricity can actually go off. That's a risk I carry. So that's an event which can happen in future. So the probability of electricity going may be about 10% or 15%. But issue means is the event which has happened already in the past. So that's a difference between the risk and the issues. Next question for us, when you consider that your project is off track and what will be the steps you will ensure so that it finishes in time? See, there are few pointers for us to get to know and these pointers are also linked with monitoring and control. Actually, if I talk about from the phases of the project lifecycle, they are related with monitoring and tracking. So what we can look at here is look at few points. For example, how are we performing vis-a-vis -vis budget? What was planned and how much it is consumed? How's the scope so far? Is the scope still the same or there are a lot of changes in the scope which has happened? And then when I started my project, we had certain goals. We had a project objective. We had a project purpose. Hopefully my goals are same. Is there any change to the goals? And if you say there is a change to the goals, that means there is a possibility we'll have to measure our performance with respect to those goals as well. So what we can do to bring it on the track? First is find out what's the root cause. 
If you are able to figure out the root cause, job becomes easy. Sometimes we use a technique which is called as 5Y. That's a technique which is very common when we wanted to do a root cause. The 5Y technique talks about asking why five times and generally by the time you go to the third or a fourth stage, you can actually figure out the root cause. Second, put in more time, more efforts to catch up to that point. Follow up with our original goal or vision. If at all the resource allocation what you did in the beginning, if that's inappropriate, please readjust the resource management. And the best out of all, please always maintain an open communication with customer, which is client or stakeholders. When you are taking the regular feedback from your customers, you are meeting them often, then there is a chance that you can automatically get to know of a certain concerns and that would be a trigger for you to get to know what these concerns are and at the same time work out on the possible solutions. So when I'm going to be meeting my stakeholders often, when I'm going to be meeting my customers often, a lot of items can be best addressed. We will be engaged with them very nicely. We can demonstrate on few items which are already done and getting a feedback early always helps for ensuring that project is on track. When we are working using the Agile in our project management lifecycle, Agile somewhere gives the very clear-cut guideline that we should start producing early in the iterations itself and maybe the items which are of high value, I should start producing those items early in the project. So that basically ensures that the risks are addressed pretty much in the beginning itself very nicely. Okay, hope you got a clear picture of this question now. We'll go next. Question 14. Which project management methodology do you prefer working in your projects? So before you get to the respective methodology, there are many points for us to look at. What are those points? Number one, first of all, look for organizational strategic goals and core values. Why am I into this project? Please figure out the answer and try to relate with organization vision, mission and find out what are the business benefit my organization is getting when I'm delivering this project. When you are able to find out the business drivers, it is very easy for you to correlate and understand which methodology will suit better. That means I would like to figure out on those business values and then plan out in a way that I am able to deliver those business values much faster, much early. Third is we should look at on constraints. What kind of a constraints I have? For example, is scope bound to change very often or will the scope remain same throughout? That also could be a key decision factor for me. Then comes up stakeholder. Are they frequently available to me if I wanted to involve them more often in the project? Are they open? Are they flexible to look for changes or they are very rigid for the initial plans? Is your organization risk averse or they are open to take few risks? How complex are your requirements? How big is your project size? How much is the cost I have? So all these are going to be my driving factors to help me decide what project management methodology I should choose. Moving to the next question, which is question 15, it says, what are the tools mostly used for improving the process activities? That means how do I figure out area of improvements? So the major tools what are used in the industry, the first of all, which is a very common tool used in the project management is basically comparing and baselining a process. Now, what is baselining? Baselining is approved plan on the respective knowledge area such as scope, time and cost wherein I have considered all perspectives 
and prepared my final plan now the moment i use a word called baseline this means my final costing or my final score or my final schedule that's now got it approved and signed by the management what this means this means now going forward any change to be done for this base document or a baseline document would have to undergo a change request process that means after the baseline is done i should go back to my change control board and then asking for permission and maybe giving the requirements to them for any change what is required so simply speaking a theory of changing anything in the document goes from project manager hands to the management after the baseline is done so what we would like to do is we would like to compare our current progress from baselining and that is where i can check how am i performing so basically the tools could be on comparison basically an alternative analysis it could be a earned value analysis it could be a trend analysis so these are various tools i can be using it to compare my performance and look for the improvements then comes flowchart flowchart is systematic representation of flow of a process in flowchart there are decision boxes as well so every decision box can be an idea for me to trace back and look is there any improvement required from there third comes value stream mapping value stream mapping focuses on the stream focusing on the items or activities which are actually generating value for my customer and for my organization so we should always put focus on items which are on value stream mapping and if i am able to focus on those value stream mappings that means i can figure out of how fast how better can i produce the value for my client then comes up cause and effect analysis the purpose of cause and effect analysis is to find out what are the possible root causes a very common diagram which is used with cause and effect is called as ishikawa diagram or that is also called as fishbone diagram this diagram was created by a japanese whose surname was ishikawa that's a reason this is called as ishikawa diagram so ishikawa diagram has a structure very similar to a fish wherein bones of the fish are representing the various causes which are leading to a problem in the specific situation and there could be a possibility of using the hypothesis testing as well so these are some of the tools which we can use it to improve the process activities next question for us is how will you manage the team members who are not working to their full potential there are a lot of people who have a capacity to deliver better but they are not doing what can you do first of all please avoid any kind of emotional confrontation with those people second encourage them to think find out other natural ways third try to figure out on how can we involve them in decision making abilities fourth expand the performance tolerance threshold this is for time being to ensure that to give a chance for them to come up let them feel like they are able to deliver something which is also appreciated at the same time then understand what motivates them when you motivate somebody the motivation travels for a longer time sometimes lack of motivation also kind of relates to a behavior like this when people do not deliver their 100% sometimes we'll have to show them the value what they carry the career paths they have the importance of job what they are going how this can benefit to them so we'll have to show that kind of a path and we need to tell them that where they are fitting in the company's mission so maybe in future when the company is also growing they would also get a good space if they are delivering it very well and then there could be a process of uh, maybe doing a follow up with those guys follow up and a feedback 
Rather, instead of feedback, I would prefer a word called feed forward. So learn from the past and give them the directions which can be used for improving their delivery. As and when there is an opportunity, please find out a opportunity to reward them, appreciate their improvements. And once that's done, that means you are allowing people to grow in their ladder. And there are a few cases you should get ready to allow them to go out from the system as well. Of course, that would be my last preference, but I'll try to first see if maybe we can bring this person back to deliver his best. Question 17, it says being a project manager, how will you gain your team agreement for results? It's like, how are you going to be collaborating? First of all, make the expectations very clear from the beginning. Have certain achievable milestones, what people can achieve. When they can achieve, they can get motivated, they can feel happy. At any point in time, it is always better that I take decision by including all team members whom I have. So that means along with the collaboration, I am able to maintain a better trust with the team. It is better that we set up certain ground rules, agree with the terms with the team. And at the same time, we should always know about the accountabilities. If you remember, there is a small document in our resource management module called as RAM. This document is called as Responsibility Assignment Matrix. This document talks about uh, four items mainly, which is uh, responsibility, accountability, consulting, and informative. So when I talk about of any activity, I must ensure that I'm doing few meetings to check on the accountability. A stands for accountability here. So make people accountable for what they are doing. And once you make somebody accountable, you'll be able to find out good commitment coming out from them. So when you are making somebody accountable, he will get to know that my performance is being seen and monitored. There is a chance improvement would be feasible. And there is a saying that once you can measure something, you can always bring in the improvements. The challenge is when we don't measure and we can measure once we make somebody accountable. So find out certain meetings which are meant for showing the outcome or the results and the consequences. And in case there are any conflicts, please ensure those conflicts are resolved. Going with the conflict for long would never be a good idea. We move forward. Question 18. What's a fishbone diagram? Fishbone diagram is also called as Ishikawa diagram. It is also called as cause and effect diagram. Why there are different names given to it? That's also a story. Fishbone diagram was invented by a Japanese whose name is Kauru Ishikawa. So Ishikawa was the surname of that person. So that's the reason this diagram is also called as Ishikawa diagram. What is the purpose of this diagram? This diagram helps us to find various causes which are having an impact when a problem is ascertained. So in order to find out what are the root causes, we refer back to an Ishikawa diagram which focuses on man, material, machine, method, mother nature, which is environment. So basically I'm using five items starting with which gives me a broader idea. The problem can pertain to manpower, could be method, could be environment I'm working with, could be the material, could be the procedure. And when we talk about of uh, the scenario, we are also referring to this diagram as the cause and effect diagram. So one side of this diagram carries the causes and the other side of this diagram having an effect. That's the reason the name is given cause and effect diagram. Now, why there is a name called fishbone? That is also a reason behind it because the structure of this diagram is very much resembling with a fish. On one side, you have fish bones. Each of those bones will carry a cause which is resulting in you some kind of an effect there. So three names, Fishbone diagram, Ishikawa diagram, cause and effect diagram. 
Okay, sometimes when we are using this diagram, we are also trying to use one more line item and this line item talks about of basically getting into the details of five whys. That means ask why five times, then also you should be able to reach to the level of that root cause. So when we are actually placing the various causes in the fishbone diagram, that is where we are making sure that all these details are captured very well and maybe by the time you start asking third or a fourth time the why, there is a chance you would have come pretty close to your the root cause. So each of those bones will put that root cause. So it's like going into four or five layers to find out what the root cause is. And similarly, the good usage of Ishikawa diagram is not just identifying the causes, rather to also plan for the actions which can make you to bring up effectiveness to solve that problem, what it is. So that's a good summary on Ishikawa diagram which is Fishbone diagram and cause and defect diagram. Hope you guys have liked it. Question 19th, it says explain the entire team forming process you follow for your team. So this comes in from a ladder which is called as Bruce Tuckman's ladder of team building. What this guy mentioned is that in the beginning when you start the project, there is a new team. They are forming. So first stage is forming the team, forming engagement between them. Under forming stages, the project manager's behavior should be directing. Why directing? Because team is new. They need directions. So it is going to be directing behavior. Then comes storming. Storming as the name implies, there is going to be a heated debate. There is going to be an attitude clash between the team members. So storming stage refers when people have arguments between them. This is the stage when as a project manager, I can work as a mentor or I can work as a coach. As a mentor and coach, I can actually give them a guidance. Third stage what I have is called as norming. Norming is a stage when people realize that, hey, project is a temporary endeavor. It is better to complement with each other rather than compete. And in the norming stage, it is assumed that people have understood that attacking the personalities should not be a good thing to go. Rather, it is good to work aiming for project benefits and delivering the best what we can as the team. Under such circumstances where team has understood and they have stopped getting into the arguments, heated arguments, let me say that, that stage is a stage where project manager can be supportive of his behavior. You should support them because they have understood that conflict cannot take them for long time. Fourth stage I have is a performing stage and that is supposed to be the best stage we have in all five stages. That's the stage when team has understood, team has started performing, they have started complimenting each other. In this situation, I can basically delegate more and more job to them and you'll be able to see the results coming in from the team. And then comes up the fifth stage, which is more or less uh, towards the end, talking about of relaxing. The name is that journey and the meaning is relaxing, thanking, acknowledging. It's like when project comes to an end, we would like to preferably end this on a positive note. That's the fifth stage of adjourning, wherein of my behavior should be thanking and acknowledging the efforts made by every team member. So these are the five stages and these stages were created by Bruce Tuckman, T-U-C-K-M-A-N. Tuckman is popularly known for all these five stages of team building. Okay, moving forward, we have what's the process of estimation in the three points estimation method. So three point estimation methods focuses on two items called as triangular estimation and also called as beta distribution. So triangular estimation is basically a simple mathematical average of three figures, which is P stands for pessimistic, 
M stands for most likely and O stands for optimistic. So all these figures sum up divide by three. That's my triangle distribution. And beta distribution refers to weighted average of the most likely. Experts have realized that the weighted average, which is more weightage given to most likely, and then dividing by a weighted average, experts have realized that the estimates generated from the PERT distribution or a beta distribution, they are much better. The full form of PERT is Program, Evaluation and Review Technique. I repeat, Program, Evaluation and Review Technique. So PERT is the most preferred way in terms of getting into the estimation. So it can be done in another way. Let us assume that you have a 20 team members team and you wanted to take a collaborative decision by including each one of them. So you can ask a question to them and let everybody reply and whatever they are replying it, take a note of all the responses, arrange them in a descending or an ascending order, pick up the best case estimate, pick up the worst case estimate and pick up the most likely estimate. Pick up all these three that becomes my pessimistic, optimistic and most likely and divide the same by six. That is where you get the beta distribution. So we also call beta distribution as per distribution. So that's a way to look at on the two distribution techniques what we have throughout the project management. Got it? Hope you get a good idea on these items. Question 21. Explain the work breakdown structure and its effect on the work estimations of task activities. Work breakdown structure is a hierarchical structure as seen it on the picture. If I talk about of an organization breakdown structure, you have the top men of the organization in the top of the hierarchy. And then we have people at the various other levels positioned in the organization hierarchy chart. But here the word is work breakdown structure. This means the work to be done is basically written at the top. And then we would like to subdivide this work into many small layers till such time the work is not becoming small and more manageable. That's the work breakdown structure. Now the way we divide that work, we would prefer to logically subdivide that work into the activities from the purpose of tracking, monitoring, estimation, execution. So that's the work breakdown structure. Coming on, difference between risk and issues. So hope uh, you guys already know it as we have discussed uh, this in a portion before already. Issues are things of a past. Issues are something which have already happened and we are now trying to find out solutions to come out from the impact what they have created. And risk, we said, it's an uncertain event which can happen in future. Risk can be positive or risk can be negative. Positive risks are called as opportunity. Negative risk is called as threat. And positive and negative risks both can come in in my risk register. And when we do a process called plan risk response, we try to find out what could be a possible response if this risk happens in future. So that's about on risk and issues. Now, next question, why a project manager need to be proactive? See, if you are proactive, you can avoid, you can prevent a lot of issues to happen. Proactive managers have high chance of finding out the risk. If you find out what is a risk, it's better we take an action and the impact could be reduced. A people who are proactive, especially the project managers who are proactive, they have a better control on their project. And when you know that this risk can happen, then you need not to hunt for some solutions because we would have nicely planned that these are going to be some of my solutions I can take up. And when you are able to identify and plan for the response, of course, I can actually also take care of even finances also. If at all there is a money required to deal with those risks, I can actually keep that and make that as a part of my project management plan itself. So when you are proactive, you can always track and monitor your performance from the actuals what planned and maybe what's the number you are doing. And that's what, by the way, we do that job primarily into the monitoring and control phase.
okay what's the difference between the risk impact and risk probability risk probability is basically a chance of a risk can happen and impact is how much damage or how much costing i would say if it is a negative risk i'll say damage if it is a positive risk i'll say how much benefit will be getting it from it okay what's the probability of rain today let us say that there is a 20% of a probability okay and what if the rain comes in maybe we'll have to plan for different mode of transportation let us assume that if the rain comes uh, during the evening time and you are traveling in a two wheeler to your office so there is going to be an impact impact is in terms of time either you have to wait for the rain to come down leave your vehicle in the office so these are possible impacts on to you got it risk is all about on probability and impact moving next which communication style will you prefer when you are working in the project will you prefer written style will you prefer verbal will you prefer face to face what are the choices you have see there is no one way which is the best way for a communication this would be rather dictated by the situation if i have to talk about of the best style i would say the best style is going to be a face to face you know why in face to face a research which has been done by expert says 55% of the message gets communicated through a body language 38% gets communicated through voice speech and tone and 7% is through the text so face to face is supposed to be the best but there are challenges in terms of the manpower which is relocated into many places if the people are working from many locations and they are not sitting at one location at all they are geographically distributed into many places if that's the situation that means the message is very clear in those situations we don't have a choice but to look for maybe a video conferencing or alternate modes of communication when people are sitting at a distance we prefer doing a written communication with them got it and when it comes to another style between interactive or maybe an offline i would prefer an interactive style basically a responsive wherein we can interact you can ask question we can interact we can get a feedback and once you get a feedback it is a kind of an acknowledgement that we are able to understand each other's message and able to put forward few questions and understand those topics so that is what would the style which i'm going to be picking up from here okay next question what do you understand by time and material contract this is also called as a tndm so tndm kind of a contracts wherein you depute for example a person 3 months at your client place and you will actually bill him for those 3 months your person may be working in a customer's environment as per customer's timelines maybe if customer works from a 9 to 6 monday to friday your person may be working in that premise so the time and material is basically kind of a hybrid kind of a contract which has some portions from fixed price and some portions from cost reimbursable in general the time and material contracts are easy to predict easy to plan easy to calculate easy to forecast and it is easy for us to know what duration i have to put forward for few resource and accordingly i'll be charging for it now such kind of contracts are popular when we are not able to estimate the exact project size or sometimes we know that few requirements might change at a later stage so it's better to take and maybe pay on a person basis time and material basis rather than maybe getting into the requirements because requirements are not at all clear in the beginning so that's the tndm kind of a contract software industries generally when they depute their people they prefer using it what will you do if any of the customers is not happy with the quality or results of the product by the end of the project means when you deliver your product the customer is unhappy what do you do first of all we should find out and show the customer that how we have tried giving that value and for 
you you have to mention that saying as a customer i give you a lot of respect and a value so i would be willing to understand what is that which is making you unhappy basically i'm saying root cause is that a particular requirement which could not be fulfilled correctly or there are certain other aspects of it is there any modification he is looking into some output is it that he was expecting certain change of scope and you declined saying no we cannot alter the scope so what's the exact reason that customer is talking about of different expectations which is not meeting up here so this is something what we should try to understand and if we are able to try to convince good enough but if we are not able to try to convince or maybe we tried and somewhere it is not gelling in then we need to figure out and explain it with reference to the scope what has been agreed because the agreed scope is in black and white document what we have and there are times when few items are not agreed in the scope and it could be some expectation some stakeholders have it is good to take a note of all these things while the project management plan is prepared because after that most of the times this becomes the change request but the situation in this question very clearly confirms that towards the end of the project when you are doing a delivery somebody is unhappy so that is where we must understand and i'm sure there had been many other events for us to look into it for example a stakeholder engagement communication management in the process what we have called as a validate scope we also approach customers wherein we give him the verified deliverables and we are expecting customers to look at how those verified deliverables can be accepted by him and if at all there are few concerns on the acceptance of those deliverables we are open to take a change request and act on it so when accepted deliverables are done and then customer has some kind of concern that means we must try to understand and put it forward to them okay next question is what do you mean by pareto analysis now pareto analysis talks about of prioritization talks about of 8020 what it says is it says that the 80% of the results are coming in from 20% of the actions sometimes it is also called as 80% of the problems are happening because of 20% of the causes so if i can focus on those 20% i can prioritize the things accordingly so that is what which pareto principle explains so pareto principle is used in decision making it's a technique wherein we can find out that which 20% actions or causes are actually the problem makers okay that's the reason we say this is used for prioritization question 29 talks about of the triple constraints in a project what are the triple constraints we discuss these constraints which has scope time and cost these are my triple constraints and if at all i have to go beyond these three i let up quality if at all i have to go beyond four i will let up risk and resources most of the problems in the project generally hover around between scope time and cost and when you run out of uh, time you may have a compromise happening on a quality so triple means three scope time cost are my three constraints followed by quality followed by risk followed by resources question number 30 what are the various types of risk you might encounter in a project and how will you handle them risk could be pertaining to cost if you exceed the given cost risk could be pertaining to schedule when you exceed the planned time it could be a risk from the performance perspective it could be a risk from optimizing the resource managing the resource lack of resources inadequate resources it could be a risk from a technology perspective risk could be from the market dynamics 
it could be because of certain rules and regulations so it could be a legal risk it could be a strategy risk if my strategy is not fitting in very well it could be from the perspective of how the project is being governed it could be a governance risk sometimes it's an operational risk sometimes it is an external risk wherein the few external parameters are not adhered to and they become the challenge for example if you want to start the construction you have to take an approval from the respective local authorities and if this authority is taking a longer time that's an external risk you have which is exceeding basically the time what you guys thought uh, would be used for this so with this we are coming towards the end of our discussion on project manager interview questions adireka happens to be the global rep on behalf of pmi delivering various programs in project management and pmp certification is the one which is the most preferred when it comes to the programs from pmi on the project management adureka also has many scheduled workshops focusing on the project management professional certification preparation feel free to visit our website or get in touch with our team and we should be happy to assist you thank you so very much and hope this session may be going to be creating a good value for each one of you and uh, this was useful thank you so much